is Adam. We had the opportunity to speak with Ariana of Ariana and the Rose over Zoom video. Ariana was born in Long Island. She lived there till about 13 years old. Around this time, she got into a performing arts school, performing arts high school in Manhattan. So she moved from Long Island and spent the weekdays in Manhattan and would kind of travel back and forth over the weekends to see her family who were still living in Long Island. So very, very supportive family. But like I said, she was way into dancing and acting, always writing songs and singing, but didn't really see that as a career path until she was going to college at NYU. She talked about her first cuts on different dance tracks, going to Nashville to write in some of her first writing sessions, seeing some real success when she went to London. She told us about the success of her immersive light and space experience that she does at the House of Yes in New York, where she was when COVID happened and all about her new record, which is coming out, and her most recent single, a song called Everybody. You can watch our interview with Ariana on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be rad if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Ariana and the Rose. So um, my name is Adam, and this is about you, your journey in music, and how you got to where you are now. Hi, Adam. Nice to meet you. I'm nice Ariana. to meet you as well. <laughs> so are you born and raised in New York? Yeah, I'm from New York. I grew up on Long Island, and then I moved into the city when I was in high school. So I sort of, I say that I'm from the city, but I feel like it's a little bit of a, of a lie. I don't want to like, you know. I feel like Long Island people always get a little like you're embarrassed from being here. What's the deal? You say you're from Manhattan, but uh, being 13 and like grow to me, like that's still not a normal experience. Like going to high school in New York is still probably maybe right. not usual, I would say. So no, for sure. So you moved from, you said Long Island. Yeah, I grew so up in Long Island. And then I, I went to like a, I actually moved into the city to go to like a performing arts high school. Cause I was, oh, right. Um, so yeah, I was in a show and I, I like, I like made my mom, like take me into the city when I was like 12 or 13 audition for a show. And I got in and I was like, great, I have a job. I have to move. And my mom was like, what's going on? That's um, amazing. Yeah. So I, I, I started out as like a child actor basically. Wow. Um, okay. Uh, well, well, before I, I, I love this, I want to get to this, but I'm curious, like, how did you get into music and, and acting in the, in the first place? Were you just always... I mean, I'm like, I'm like the typical, like my mom put me in dance class when I was like, you know, three, she probably needed something to tire me out. And right. <laughs> you know, just, this girl's got a lot of energy. Let's like throw her into that. I, I wasn't really like a sports person. I was never, I'm not like very coordinate hand-eye coordination is not my strong suit. Um, and I just fell in love with dancing and that was okay. really how I started. And I was really little. I mean, I was like, you know, five, six, and then I sort of like made my parents like let, I basically like figured out a way to let them take me like let let me take class as late as possible as like you could at 10 uh -huh. or 11 or something. Uh -huh. And they were like, this feels like maybe an unhealthy uh, like attachment to this. But I loved it. I took like every class available. And uh, and then from there, I like I I lived an hour outside of Manhattan. So like. I started to take classes in the city and then I got scouted for a dance company. So like I really started as a dancer and then I think a teacher somewhere along the lines was like, well, maybe you should sing. Like, do you sing at all? And that was like the first time that ever dawned on me, but I never, I really just like loved performing first. And then 
I took piano lessons as a kid. Like, I think I just, I think they just sort of were putting me in different things, you know, as you do as a parent, trying to like see what your kid likes. And then I wrote, I was writing music and playing piano for like a really long time just because I loved it. Like I didn't, it never dawned on me to like be a songwriter. I just, I wanted to be writing songs though. Wow. I mean, in hindsight, I was writing songs like not in the moment. I wasn't like, this is a, you know, this is a song. Right. right? Got it. Okay. But I was, I was doing it as like a, as a release, I think. But I was like, I was wanted to be like an actor and a musical theater kid and whatever. Mm -hmm. And it never dawned on me being a songwriter, like was never something that ever uh, seemed like a job, like seemed like a career path until like way later in my life, which is funny because I can see in hindsight that I was always doing it, but in the moment it would never, it didn't dawn on me until I was like 20. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Weird, weird, backwards. Yeah. So you were doing all that and then you ended up getting into this dance company. So you're working and that's why you, did your family up and move to Manhattan? No, my bless my mom. She's such a good person. Basically she like worked a deal out with me where she was like, you can go to, high school during the week and like work and on the weekends if you don't have a show you have to come home I have siblings so they were like in school she was like I'm not gonna like uproot our family but she right. sort of, they had like a tiny apartment like a little one bedroom in the city so I I would stay with her during the week and then on the weekends the rule was that I like had to go home to be with my so like my whole family could be together wow that's yeah. I mean it's that's, odd. It's certainly odd. No, but that's wow. What a, having your mom be so, or your whole family really be so supportive of Super what supportive. you were doing. That's crazy. Well, I sort of, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, my family's like not in music. They're like business people. They're not like, uh, I mean, like they, you know, they like music, but they're no one in my family is like an art in any sort of like arts career. Right. And, uh, they, I like, I got a job. So I think that that was really like, in their brains, they were like, well, we don't want to, they would never want, would have wanted to like stop me from doing that. I mean, mm-hmm. I would think she was, I was taking like classes on Saturday and whatever, but I think like getting hired for something sort of makes it feel more yeah, validating. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and then from there, I like, you know, got an agent and a manager and all that stuff. And then I was auditioning and then I was like working. So um auditioning yeah. as in different um what like musicals broadway shows type thing or like the show I got, the show i got cast in was in the american girl review which was when they were opening up the american girl doll store on um oh wow ninth street or whatever and they had a theater in there that was like an off it was like an official off-broadway sized theater i don't remember how many seats it was and we did like Good Morning America and we did like all that stuff. And then wow. and then I was just auditioning for like everything. At that point, I was just like a kid in the in the like mix of things. I did. T- I did TV. I did film. Um, I, I would like go to at the time, like North Carolina was when they were like fil- where they were filming things all the time. This was like what was like on TV. Like this was when it was like the WB. You know, oh, sure. Yeah, was, yeah. yeah. You know, it was like, I mean, I'm not I'm I was younger when like Dawson's Creek was on the air, but it was like in that like post. Yeah. Ad. And so, yeah, they were always really supportive, but I never um, I went to NYU. Like I was like I wanted to be like an actor. And the whole okay. time I just like played piano on the side and loved it. And also, I think, knew that I something about theater like didn't quite do it for me. Like I liked it, but I was like, there's something I knew by the time I like got to college, I was already like, I don't think I love this. Uh-huh. Um, and like, 
I guess like unbeknownst to myself, I had just been like writing music the whole time and did, was not hip to what I actually loved, which is great. Oh, interesting. Yeah, did you go to NYU? You went to NYU for performing arts? Yeah, for acting. I went to okay. So like, I think, I think when you, especially like as a kid, like if you have some sort of like success or like some sort of like outside validation telling you that something is like good or you should be doing that, you know, it's easy to just sort of like tunnel vision in that kind of direction. And right. Uh, yeah, I, I just, but I still, I mean, I still loved it and I love, I love all that stuff. I love musical theater. I love acting. It just wasn't my, I mean, I make like synth pop music now. So like, obviously it wasn't going to be my ultimate. Right. But you do do those very immersed, like shows with like, I was watching some videos on YouTube, like so cool. I want, I want to talk to you about that. Yeah. With like the dancers and it's like this whole three, you're almost in the middle, right. Of the crowd. Yeah. 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 It's, um, so that show's called Light and Space. It's like mm-hmm. an immersive. What's our tagline? We call it's been so long since we've done it, which is so sad. But um, it's an what do we call it? An immersive live music party is the tagline. Yes, so that's what it was. It's um, it's like a combination of immersive theater and dance and a concert, and then the whole thing's like wrapped up in a in a fun party that's like a alien glitter like glitter alien themed. Oh, that's as, rad. As you do. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I had gotten the idea because a lot of my friends are obviously in theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a lot of stuff happening. Where are you based out? Of? I'm in Nashville now, but I, I was born and raised in San Diego. Okay. So I don't know. I feel like immersive stuff isn't really like in Nashville in the same way, but there's this, there's a show in New York called sleep no more, uh-huh. which is like, a. it was created by this British company called punch drunk. They're like a, they're like a theater company and they started in the UK and then they brought this show to, I think it was like, they moved it around. It was in Boston, whatever, but it's been Uh in New York for about 10 years. And it's sort of the, the like most commercially successful version of this. And I had friends in it at the time they took over, they, they took over like a a building. Basically they called it the Mitch Kittrick hotel, which is, they made it like a 1930s style sort of like haunted ish hotel. That's rad. And the concept, and they sort of like, they sort of, I think were, were one of the first companies to really like make immersive theater I use air quotes because I feel like people use immersive like so much now. <laughs> um, and it's really, I don't know what, what makes something immersive other than, other than you like telling people it's immersive. Um, but, uh, basically the idea is that the audience isn't in seats. It's not like a proscenium style where there's a stage and an audience. It's that you like create a whole environment and the audience can go wherever they want. Mm-hmm. And then the theater happens like in and around. So like at sleep no more, it's over like multiple like floors. So like you like go in and out of stairwells and the actors are like moving all around. Oh, wow. Follow them. That's and, cool. Like, an actor might come and like pick you out of something and like take you somewhere else. And everybody has a fully different experience. So I had friends in this show. I had friends that were doing other versions of this. I was living in England at the time. Actually, I was working as a songwriter in London. And there were like versions of this happening in England too. So I was Mm -hmm. like, this is very cool. This feels like the future of shows, right? Which it has in a lot of ways. I mean, now it's like Spotify does the like Billie Eilish immersive experience or right, 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 right. Um, 
So it wasn't like quite a buzzword yet at the time. And I just, I just felt like I was seeing it for film and I was seeing people like adapt it with film. I was seeing people sort of do it with dance and theater. Mm -hmm. And I was like, someone's got to do this for music. Like, I don't understand what music is. I think music is sort of like an immersive experience in general. I think a concert is kind of like that. So that was kind of where the idea came from. And, and I kind of put together all the things I like the best. And, and, and it's a hybrid of, of this kind of like theater world mixed with a concert and, I felt like a party was like a very accessible way for people to like, feel like they could just like show up. Yeah. I mean, it looks like people are just like dancing, having a good time. And like, there's just all this stuff happening in in the middle of it all, which is, it's just dope. And people really like show up. Like that was something I was not, uh, (laughs) anticipating. Like someone Uh came, people come like fully covered in glitter. People come costumes. Like it's, it's really cool to see. And, you know, when you, when you start something like that, you're like, am I insane? Is anyone going to come to this? This feels, am I dumb? Um, and we, when we had done the first one in New York, we do it at a venue called house of yes, which is a very cool venue in Bushwick. Um, we sold out the first show and it was just, it was so cool to like see people interacting with dancers and dancing and, um, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's like some people come because they know Ariana and the Rose is like an artist and some people uh-huh. come because they just like heard of a really fun party they want to go to and then like discover the music at the party. And it's cool to kind of see both intersect with each other. Yeah, that's amazing. That's really Thanks. cool. Yeah, the videos are rad online, too, that I was watching. Thank you. Yeah, we try and represent them. Um, and obviously in like the age of social media, we put together like a whole thing of just people's like Instagram stories. Cause it like represents the experience better Perfectly, than anything. Right? We yeah. Make. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to get into how you got into songwriting. I mean, if you're going to NYU for performing arts, like how does the music career kind of <laughs> take over? Um, I, I was at NYU. I was an actor. I was, I was, like I said, I was always sort of writing and I wasn't, I was sort of going, I was working with like this guy in New Jersey, like doing sessions and stuff, but it was always for fun. And then, like I, I had mentioned, I had written, he, he was a producer and he was working on like a dance track of sort of like a trancey kind of song. Mm-hmm. And I just like sang vocals over it. And that song got picked up by like a comp, like it got included on like a dance compilation on a universal, uh, on an album that universal was putting out. out. Yeah. And, wow. um, that, and it was just luck really. And it didn't, I, I like, I mean, Lord, I probably made like $200 from it or something. It wasn't anything. No big, <laughs> no big, uh, <laughs> the house and the escalate didn't come. But, uh, yeah. It wasn't, wasn't my big break, but it was, um, the first time that I was like, Oh, people, people do this as a job. That's Mm -hmm. fun. I've never thought about that. Um, and my, the people that I loved, I didn't start in, I didn't initially like dance music. And like, I later come, I've loved like Robin and artists like Goldfrapp and these Mm -hmm. kind of like amazing Kylie Minogue, like these like synth kind of like pop women. Um, but I really started uh, like loving just like singer songwriter music, Mm -hmm. um, like Carol King and, Sarah Bareilles and Ingrid Michaelson, these like kind of like quirky, these like quirky sort of singer songwriter girls. Um, And so it took me, it took me once I figured out, oh, I think I actually might want to like write music. I would say it probably took me a couple of years to to figure out like if I wanted an artist project, if I wanted to be a writer, you kind of don't always 
no, I, I think when you're, when you can write, if, if like which way you want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first sessions I ever did were in Nashville. I basically, once I kind of like figured out that I wanted to kind of like pursue it, I, I called basically anybody that I knew that was even like music industry adjacent. Mm-hmm. Um, and was like, hi, so I think, <laughs> you know, whatever, just trying to figure it out. And some people that I knew were like, okay, they just happened to know writers in Nashville. And I, you know, like book a, booked a trip and crashed on a couch. And those were the first sessions I did. Um, actually the very first session I ever did similar. I, like I said, I went to anyone I knew and was like, do you know anyone who's like looking for writers or whatever? And someone I knew that ended up actually managing me later on for a little while. His name is Jeff Rapan and he managed like Kelly Rowland and like all these people. Well, I knew him because he worked at NYU. So I, I, like walked into his office and was like, so I'm not in your program. Like I'm not (laughs) like, I'm like all the way over here doing this thing, but you know, here's some music I've made. And, uh, he, there was a, there was a producer called Illmind. Who's a, like a rap hip hop producer. He was doing like Talib Kweli and 50 percent and stuff. And they they were looking for like pop hooks. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the first songwriting session I ever did was like a hip hop session. (laughs) And, those are hard. Like hip hop sessions go move really fast and like Uh they're late at night and they're they're Everyone's just like moving. And so I was like brought in to write like pop hooks, not knowing a thing. And I'm just sitting there being like, absolutely. Yes. Okay. No problem. Like I'm totally just like faking it till you make it. But um, (laughs) those were some of my first sessions. It was sort of like, I was doing like hip hop sessions in Bed-Stuy and like more sort of like pop sessions in Nashville. And like, you just sort of start. I, everyone always is like, how do you get started? And I'm like, you know, you just go wherever anyone's going to like open the door to let you mm-hmm. kind of be there. Um, and that was the beginning of sort of how I started writing. And then I loved it. So. Wow. And what was like the first little, you know, once you get in these rooms and you're writing with people, what was your first success? Um, the, what was my first success? Well, actually, you know, I didn't, I, I wasn't, I, I figured out pretty quickly that I wanted to be a, an artist. Oh, so, okay. um, I, I, um, had done an EP that I never put out because it was bad. And then uh, I actually, it wasn't until, I would say I was probably writing for about two or three years. And then I, I started going to London. And that was the first time that I had some like mild success. And I got a cut for like, I got a cut for this artist in like Denmark. And then I got a cut, I started getting like little baby cuts for like um, spin in records and like those sort of like I, the first kind of things I got were in like the dance music world. Uh-huh. Um, and I fell into just like a really great group of writers in London. I got lucky and I met, um, a writer named David Snedden who, uh, had just done maybe about the year or so before he had just been a part of the Lana Del Rey record that wow. had like national anthem. He wrote national anthem with his partner at the time. Oh, um, huge. huge. I mean, huge. If only I had met them then. Um, but (laughs) that was like the beginning of, um, that was the beginning of like being a part of a group of writers where like, I really was starting to work. Um, and, uh, and then like over time I've, the, the cuts I've gotten generally have like lived in the dance world. I did a a thing for an artist named Giraffage, who's very, a very cool sort of like synth, um, I guess he's sort of like house tinged, um, and uh, I was doing some stuff for an artist named Griffin, who's like gone on to be a really big DJ. I think he's on oh, yeah. 
Interscope. Yeah, he um, is. I interviewed him before. He's a great yeah, guy. He's from the cool. Bay Area. Yes, yeah. yes. And his manager, mm-hmm. this guy Nick, is at Interscope, and they're just like good people. So that was that was kind of where I. It makes sense that that was sort of where I started to get my first cuts and successes mm-hmm. because I ultimately like I love dance music. So sometimes I think I, I clearly have this theme as I didn't even realize I sort of like stumble into the things I like, or I'm doing these things that I like before I realize, Oh, Hey, I think this is maybe really what I should be doing. And, uh-huh. um, pretty soon after that, I, I really wasn't until like 2015 that I think I started like doing Ariana and the Rose in a way, like for real, for real and in the incarnation that it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, And then I like, I started playing like prides in the U S I was playing prides in the UK. The LGBTQ community has been like a huge place for me and my project in terms of just like being open to someone at the time, you know, I hadn't really, I didn't have like a track record as an artist. I, Uh I had done a couple support things. Actually, I got offered a tour support slot opening for an artist named Foxes. Um, Okay who she had done actually right at that point, she had just done um, that big song with Zed called Clarity. I don't know if you remember that. Song. Oh yeah, 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 I do. So this, okay. so that was like, I was like in London writing music. I was like going back and forth. I was staying in like short stay apartments, trying to get a visa. Uh-huh. Um, and I got this tour and I like, didn't even have a band. This, that was like 2014. I didn't have a band in of anything. And I was like, eh, okay, gotta like get it together. <laughs> Figure this out. Because <laughs> I'm doing this. Um, yeah. But I had been, I had been like doing little shows. I, I, I had been sort of like hustling at that point, but it, right. it, it took a few years. It took, I would say it took like, uh, I'm trying to think of like years, but like in terms of like, it was 20, whatever. But right. Right. It took me, it took me a while. I feel like to find my footing. And I think that that's like a piece in music in any profession that like is scary for people to talk about. They don't, they want to sort of be like, well, I started. And then a year later, it was like all going great. And like, <laughs> yeah. that wasn't, that wasn't how it happened for me. I, I certainly like bopped around and needed to find my sound and find people. And, um, at first I thought I wanted to just write. And then, and then I realized I really wanted to be an artist. And so that pivot took me a second. And once I sort of, once I sort of found my like synth pop lane, um, that was sort of when I, I was sort of, you know, got myself kind of going, I think, mm-hmm. but it takes time. Um, right. and I think that that's something I try and whenever like a, like a brand new artist is like, well, what do you think? I'm like, just like, let it go. Don't worry about it's been two years or this, like I'm not yeah. saying, you know, 55 and doing it for a hundred years, which like, listen, if you're 55 and pursuing music, like live your life. But I think <laughs> this idea that it, it should all just like happen that you should right. know, I think the internet creates like a big pressure cooker for that, for people. Um, well, especially now with like TikTok successes uh, and stuff. So bad. I, I mean, I, that's why I love doing this podcast because I'll learn these stories that people just assume like, Oh, you know, Lana Del Rey woke up and wrote video games and now she's massive. It's like, no, she did a million other things prior to that. There were like 14 incarnations. I mean, and that's yeah. like, even, even like Ariana and the Rose is a project. Like I was debating even in 2015 when I like got kind of started, felt like I started to get it right. I was like, should I change the name? Because I had like, I had some singles, which are now not, not on the internet. Um, but I, you know, I had different versions of myself. Um, I had sort of had, God, you forget about all this stuff. I had sort of had like a stint before I had kind of gotten started to really do dance music and like get, get it kind of where it 
where it is today, mm-hmm. where I was sort of leaning a little more into like the fashion crowd. So I went to like New York Fashion Week and I got an opportunity to go to Paris Fashion Week. And like, that was like a whole lane. And I, and I took a step back from that and was like, you know what? I think maybe this is not this. I don't feel like a musician, right? I feel like if I do this, I'll end up doing something else, mm-hmm. which me now is like, girl, why you should have stayed at Paris. <laughs> <laughs> But me then was like, no, I'm an artist and this is not my artistry, you know, whatever. So like you, you try, I feel like you try things, right. You kind of like, you're like, you knock on a door and you're like, is this where I want to go? Or is that Mm -hmm. where I want to go? And, um, I think I always was going to end up doing, doing electronic, uh, you know, synth music. I always loved it. I just, it just took me a minute to figure out how, Mm -hmm. um, and then ultimately end up doing shows like light and space and all these things that like, melded everything into one kind mm-hmm. of yeah and you've had like uh, with love you lately uh, you had the remix done by roosevelt which i think is yes. rad yes I, I interviewed him too he's a great guy what a cool so nice experience. he's blown he's like blown up i mean that wow. all came out of, i mean that was like i would say so all that happened in 2017 and i was i had been in the uk for a few years and i was like okay i really should i really feel like i can go to la now i felt like mm-hmm. i had enough i had enough going on that I felt like I could go to LA and start being in the sessions in the rooms that I like wanted to be in LA, I think is, is at least in my experience, I think LA can be tough in that way that oh yeah, just like showing up with like your bags in LA is not something I would suggest, but right. yeah. I mean, I've know, lived in San Diego my whole life and like I, we'd go up to LA all the time because the venues are better yes. to see artists. And it's like, this town is so big and it's like, I wouldn't even know where to start if I wanted to try to get, involved a hundred percent i mean listen i think anything you want to go somewhere you have to be there you know like anything if you want to kind of make headway but i just happened london just happened to be where they were making my kind of pop music Mm -hmm. um and so i felt like showing up in la with things to kind of like show for myself was just helpful in terms of getting sessions. I had music that I could say yeah, like credits, right? Exactly. Or, yeah. Some. I had some cuts. I had, I mean, not like a ton, but I had some cuts. I had right. um, like my own work that I had put out um, and love you lately just came out of a session. I, I did a, I did a writing session with RKCB um, their publisher. We were just, do- we didn't know who it was going to be for. We just wrote a song. We were like, mm-hmm. do we want to pitch it? Do we want to, who wants it? Do you want it? Do I want it? What do we want to do? And we were like, you know what, let's just do it as a duet. Seems like it, sh- it feels like a cool duet. And mm-hmm. um, that was sort of how that happened. But we didn't go into that session kind of thinking anything. We, we would have been just as easily, we would have been just as happy to give it to somebody else if they wanted it. Um, but it, people seem to have really connected with that song, which has been mm-hmm. very cool. And uh, we made a little video for it in the desert because that was my idea. I thought that was smart to like go into the desert in December um, <laughs> on like a 300 foot sand dune and like a little dress. And I was like, this is going to be great. I can't feel my feet. But, <laughs> um, but it's, you know, that I think that um, putting out that EP, which is called um, Retrograde, mm-hmm. That was the first EP. I put out a song called Super Cool and then Love You Lately after that. That was the first EP that as an artist, I felt like I started to really actually see like building a fan base and building, um, seeing a response. So Mm -hmm. that was the, yeah, that was the beginning of that. And then I did Light and Space at the end of that year. So that was sort of really um, the first time I felt like I 
saw things like resonate, at least online in terms sure. of like numbers and messages and comments and mm-hmm. building a social following and stuff like that. And you, so you're building, I mean, you're, you're, it sounds like you're kind of going up in your career and then COVID happens. Like, how did that, like, what were you up to in the end of 2019, like going into that? And when I tell you it was a bummer, I mean, it was a bummer for everyone, but sure. I had done, yes, it was. And it really was, I think my career has definitely been like a slow and steady, um, and I, and I never, I haven't had like a lightning bolt moment. I, I, I've definitely just had like consistency and people finding me and a lot of touring and playing shows. Which um, I would imagine is better and as for an artist and having like a quick I mean, listen, lightning I mean, bolt I mean, and then not being able to follow it. I'm not against a lightning bolt for lightning. Bolt. <laughs> I'm here for it. Listen, I'm not I'm waiting. I'm, I'm still like on the top of a roof, like covered in aluminum being like, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that however, you know, however it happens, I, I think in some ways social media has been detrimental to artists. And I think in other ways, it's been incredible for artists. Mm-hmm. And uh, this idea that it's like Madison square garden or bust is like, not, not real. You can, right. you can, make a living as an artist and create like a touring fan, like a touring story for yourself. And, you know, like music licensing, film and TV licensing has been a huge part of how I've been able to be an artist and Mm -hmm. an independent, I'm an independent artist. So um, I think that, yeah, I think there's a lot of different ways. And I think COVID really amplified that. I think COVID made everything completely online, right? Mm -hmm. So you were seeing like, people blow up on TikTok who like had never released a song before or, or like played a show or anything like Palfu is a great example. I mean, he had that huge hit and he had he's never, I don't know, maybe he has to this day, but when I talked to him, when I interviewed him in the middle of COVID. He had never played a show, which is crazy. I mean, and, and we'll see, right. How that translates because there's uh-huh. nothing that I'm sure there's some people that are going to come out of that and play a show and off the bat, just be amazing. And it'll work. And there'll be some people that, do that and realize, Oh wait, like touring's not for me. I don't want to play shows. I only, I only want to do, you know, me online in my room, whatever. But as COVID was happening, I was actually about to film a movie, which was really cool. I, I have since I've like, not, I stopped acting obviously like way when I started music, but because I had done it for so long, every year I have like one or two things that sort of just like fall out of the sky (laughs) <laughs> um, that are like remnant of, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a casting director who knew me or whatever. And um, I had this, like, this was happening maybe a year or so before COVID had happened. Uh, a, this, this director who's wonderful had, um, was looking for a song. He had done a, th- there, he's a director that has a marketing company. His name is uh, Aliyah Pedrias. Um, and he, uh, I feel like I'm saying his last name wrong. So if this gets made into the, if this gets into the podcast, I'm sorry, Elia. Uh, but it'll make it into the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically he, he had pitched his company does like marketing things. Then he also is directs his own features and shorts and they do stuff for musicians and they had pitched a music video concept for a label that got passed on, but he loved the concept and was like, I think I want to make this. So he went to a super a, a sync supervisor and said, "Hey, this is my idea. Do you have any um, do you have any songs that could fit it?" And I had put out a song called "Lonely Star," 
which mm-hmm. is like galactic themed and all that. And the, the, the cons, if you had seen the concept, you would think he had heard the song and made the concept for the song. It's about this alien who this girl who like works in a diner and she's like playing around with like an old like transmitter radio and it like beams to an alien and the alien comes down and they like become friends. And you would think that you would just think they were made together. And so initially when I was speaking to him, they just wanted to license the song. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, Hey, I think I actually am interested in adapting this whole idea and making it into a short film. Would you be wow. open to that? And I said, sure. And he said, you know, you can work with the composer. Like we want to use the song. It would be effectively like a movie musical. Um, so initially I was just working on it as a musician. Mm-hmm. Um, and then upon just like knowing Leah and chatting with him, he was like, Oh, you're an actor. And I was like, well, okay. I was reformed he was like (laughs) he was like no i think you should play the character that sings the song it's your song anyway and so uh i said okay sure there's this another amazing actor in it named bex taylor klaus who's been on oh they've been in all sorts of things i should know this when i talk about this they were in a show on fox and they're this wonderful non-binary actor who's who's like really been like an amazing face for non-binary artists and um they actually, I think, were in the process of transitioning right after we wrapped filming. But mm-hmm. long story short, we were supposed to film like I was in L.A. We were starting production. I, I don't know. Let's just say it was like a Thursday mm-hmm. on Wednesday. New York closed. Oh, wow. So I was about to be putting out a new EP. I was about to go on tour opening for an artist called Torres, which I actually just finished that. Like, yeah, I saw that online. That's cool. I had to leave, which is a separate issue, but a few weeks ago. So I would have been like filming whatever it was only a week or two of filming. I would have gone right into tour, Mm -hmm. putting out new music. And then we, it was unannounced, but we were starting a quarterly resident, a yearly residency of light and space at house of yes. So it was like, I would have filmed through March, been on tour through May and then started light and space in June. It oh was my like I have the whole rest of the year You're like planned out, which for a musician is like a really big deal to be like, mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing for the next whole year. This is right. Amazing. Yeah. But you know, what can you do? So, I mean, lockdown happened and I, I mean, LA closed, I think after New York, but they weren't calling the shoot. And I remember I called, I called the director and was like, I have to go home. Like my family's in New York. I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. They're shutting the world down. I don't right. think this movie's happening. Right, right, right. <laughs> not going to work. Um, so I, so I flew back to New York and everything just, I basically just like wiped the board. I wiped the music. I wiped everything. The tour got canceled or postponed. Everything mm-hmm. got postponed. And I mean, since then, what are we almost at? Like two years later. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh my God. Um, I've done all of the things that were scheduled to happen in COVID have now happened. happened. Um, and we filmed the movie in COVID a year later. Um, so we filmed it this past March, which was really cool. Um, and it was everybody's like first thing back. Oh, nice. Which was kind of, it was kind of sweet. Cause it was the last thing this we would have done. Yeah. And now the first thing and back, kind of the first thing uh-huh. that we were doing, which felt kind of special and, I hadn't acted in forever, been on a set. And um, I sort of don't think I, I didn't get nervous until like the day, like I'm like about to be on set and I see that it's like a real movie. And I was like, oh shit, like, 
don't mess this up. Um, there's a great clip that is not in the movie, but I like, I run at a certain point to like answer a phone and I just like wipe out. Like I just <laughs> totally miss the phone, like pull every, it's bad. So I was like, yes, I'm so professional. Um, That's funny. But yeah, I, I basically, uh, I mean, I think like a lot of musicians took COVID and made new music. So. And then you have a new song out. I do. I have a song called Everybody that came out in July. Uh-huh. Is that uh, something you wrote over COVID or? Yeah. So I had, so I had an EP that I was going to be putting out. I had put out a, an EP in 2019 called Constellations Phase One. Mm-hmm. And I was going to put out Constellations Phase Two along, you know, right in line with tour. Um, but once COVID happened, some of those songs, it was like a pretty... The, the songs felt like, I don't know how to describe it with everything going on in the world and the country and just like all, just so much heaviness. And I just felt like, why does anybody need to hear from like me specifically as an artist? I had a moment where I was sort of like, do you really need to put out like another pop song? Does it mean anything? Um, and I wasn't going to pivot to making, like, I'm not a, like a Tracy Chapman writer, right? Like I'm not going to be able to like harness, I think, um, political songs i don't think one would see her like a white cis girl like chatting about that right now i think the space for other people is more important Mm -hmm. um and so i was like okay but what what can you do like what do what do you want to do it just took me i just needed to take a second and be like what what is it that you want to do with your music and i kind of went back to a similar concept of what light and space is which is i want to make space for other people I want to use the music and the shows as a place for people to feel safe, to use them as a release or a catharsis or whatever they're needing. Um, a safe space for however anybody identifies, you know, wherever they come from. Uh, and I kind of like dug back into that. And for me, like that's what a dance floor does, I think. I think that's why people like to party. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's why people like to dance. They love, they love sort of getting lost in it. A dance floor feels like a very sort of neutral place. Um, and we weren't able to do that for a really long time. So I kind of went back and made an album that was really ingrained in that. And it's like an exploration of sort of more dance. I, I'm hesitant to say dance music. Cause I think people think like EDM, which is right. not, that's not what it is. It's dance in the sense that it's like for a dance floor. Um, so it's, you know, it, it has like 90 sort of house vibes. It has some Madonna vibes. It has some eighties. We kind of like explored it through the decades, I guess. And, mm-hmm. uh, I just, the world was really sad while I was making the record and I didn't want to make, I wanted to make something for when the world opened, not as the world was closed. Not a sad record. No, it's not a sad record. It's like a celebration album. So I, I, like I made that. it, I made it with um, my musical director, Andy Highmore, who is British and he um, hadn't produced a whole album for anybody else before. He has his own projects, but he he musical directs for like Jai Wolf and he's worked with Aluna George and a lot of amazing people. Mm-hmm. And we were in COVID and we couldn't see anybody. And I was like, after, I don't know how many months, three or four months, I was like, have you seen anyone? Because I haven't seen anyone. And I'd love to do a session with someone in person if you're free. Right. And I sort of like finagled him into making the album with me. I was like, you don't have anything to do. And I think you're the right person for this. <laughs> so uh, you put the record together. Is it going to be called Constellations Phase 2 still? No, I. so it can't be because because I feel like 
Constellations Phase 2 is meant to only be like an EP or something. Okay. So it's a working title. It's called Lonely Hearts Club, which I understand the Beatles reference, but I'm sticking with it anyway for now um, because it is sort of about, it is about heartbreak. It is about loneliness and uh, the loneliness we were all feeling at the time. And I like the, I like the idea of, loneliness being a unifier, like it being a club of people that sort of have broken hearts and um, need this kind of connection. And uh, Mm -hmm. it's also like a physical place. Like you could physically be at a a club called the Lonely Hearts Club. So um, obviously I'll be making visuals that, that are in a club. So we started, we started with everybody, which puts us back in a club and I will be putting out another single actually in a couple of weeks. Very cool. That's exciting. I, I can't wait to hear the rest of the, the record. Yes, we'll have to send it to you. The next oh. the next single is called um, London Boys. So. London Boys? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Well, I cannot wait to hear it. And I appreciate your time, Ariana. And thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure. Yeah, I have one more question. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Advice for aspiring artists. Oh, good one. Um, I would say... I find people who love what you make and you love what they make and don't worry about, you know, where, who they are, who you are, where, you know, just like go on the hunt when you're first starting for people that you just love what they do. Um, because I think that that's the first step to, to making things that you ultimately like and, and making good music with people you like is, already ahead of the game and will open doors in a way that that nothing else will. Bring it back first.